Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Spiritual Support with Dr. Sue on the Bold Brave TV Network. And I'm very excited about my guest tonight. In fact, this is a quote from his organization. Knowing thyself is healing thyself. I'm going to repeat that. Knowing thyself is healing thyself. And that's so important because really healing comes from within us out, out into um, our bodies, into the world. That's how we do things to heal. Anyway, my guest tonight is Dr. Paul J. Mills. He is a professor of public health and family medicine and director of the Center for, of Excellence for Research and Training in Integrative Health. I know integrative health is something that many, many people now are getting more interested in. And he also runs an organization called Heal and Thrive. So welcome to you, Dr. Mills. Thank you, Dr. Sue. Pleasure to be here. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Well, so am I. Now, we'll start it by, oh, first let me ask you about this, your organization, Heal and Thrive. Now, where is it located? It's located in North Carolina. It's a company my wife founded, Tiffany Barsotti, who's a, she's a medical intuitive. And ah. she helps people with that, that aspect of their life to help them find their way, physical health and spiritual health. Oh, interesting. Whereabouts in North Carolina? A small town called Weaverville, which is north of Asheville is the local yeah. well-known town yeah okay yeah i've heard of Asheville. no because i'm right now in virginia so that's why i'm asking yeah. and the, the the border is not too far from me so anyway but no that's exciting so that is really great but you're also in connection with california too yes that's where i've had my academic affiliation for gosh 33 years wow Wonderful, wonderful. And I guess this quote I got came from the organization. Yep. And the other thing I got there, which I thought was very interesting, was that you're working with whole health model, a whole, a whole health model, addressing the consciousness and transcendent nature of the human being as fundamental. Absolutely, yeah. In many ways, that's been a focus of my academic teaching and research the last probably eight or more years. Part of that, I was in more of a traditional biomedical research and teaching setting. But I just had the impulse and inspiration I needed to really 
try to start remedying and healing uh, not only scientific research, but, but clinical medicine as well. Yeah, well, that's wonderful. And I guess as being a professor and knowing the whole professorial trip, um, that it's easier now that you get a little bit older, you can start to do the things you want to do. That is so true. There has to be a certain level of academic achievement and standing until you could start pushing out the accepted boundaries of, uh, of academia, the materialism side of things. Right, right. And it said you wrote 400 articles? Yes. Okay. You beat me. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote more books. But anyway, yes, yes. that's great. That's great. Um, so, all right. Now tell me about, we're talking about the book you wrote. Yes. Uh, the book title is Science, Being, and Becoming, The Spiritual Lives of Scientists. And for the book, I interviewed uh, over 30 scientists, mainly the United States, some from Europe, about their, their transpersonal and mystical and metaphysical experiences. And they shared all that with me in a very personal way. And I turned all that material as well as other material into the content for this book. So a lot of it's documentary accounts of, of, of the scientists. Now, can you give us an example of what kinds of metaphysical things they're interested in? Mm. So much. Um, gosh, the, the scientists and clinicians I interviewed they share with me some of their metaphysical experiences from when they were children. And that's what led them to become scientists because these experiences as children opened them up to remembering the spiritual world. And then they said, well, I'm going to become a scientist and because that's the way of knowing and I'll understand more this material world we live in and what's behind it. And other scientists I interviewed had entered science more in a traditional way and then had an experience. Uh, a metaphysical or mystical experience while they were adults. It could have been from learning to meditate. It could have been from uh, like ayahuasca, some type of psychoactive compound. It could have been uh, from a near-death experience. It could have been from a beautiful sunrise. We never know what happens to when we get opened into the spiritual world. And they shared all these experiences with me and how it, of course, influenced their life, but also their scientific work. And what types of scientific work do they do? Well, that varies. Uh, some of them who felt strongly that once they had these revelations that they wanted to do research into, let's say, the metaphysical and the transpersonal, some of them had to leave their academic institution because there wasn't really wiggle room for that. And then they went to more of an alternative place, such as the Institute of Noetic Sciences or... Mm -hmm the you know, California Institute for Human Science institution, which know about the reality of the transpersonal and the metaphysical. And they're there could do the research on psi phenomenon, mediumship, and so forth. While others uh, who had these experiences just ended up keeping that like a parallel stream for their life where they maintained their more traditional research mainly but then would do some side projects here and there, which is really what I did over the years. I, I, I kept my main traditional biomedical research going and then would do some things on the side, like energy healing or maybe mediumship research, things like that, to, to satisfy that part of me. Interesting. What kinds of mediumship research did you do? 
the main project I did, I wrote a grant and got some funds. And this was a collaboration with the Institute of Noetic Sciences up in Petaluma, California, right? Founded by Edward Mitchell, one of the Apollo astronauts. And for this particular study, we brought mediums into the lab and we hooked them up with EEG and other physiological measures. And we tested them while they were in the middle of doing a reading of a disincarnate person. And we, we had this done in the context of very good control periods. We, we did a pretty good job, ended up publishing it in a high level uh, neuroscience journal. And we were able to show that yes, while the mediums were communicating with somebody out of body, there were unique signatures in their EG brain activity compared when they were doing like a mock mediumship. It was a great project. We really enjoyed it. That sounds wonderful. I know because people are always looking for proof. And I know there's a bunch of scientists now um, testing the physical mediums to see what kind of energy work um, they can detect on their instruments. Yes. So Yeah, a lot of new frontiers. Yeah, would you say that science may be changing a little bit now? Or there's more people mm. becoming more spiritual? I would feel very confident saying yes to the latter part. And hence, with my book, I was able to find a lot of uh, scientists who really do have active spiritual lives, even if they can't uh, follow that in the traditional research setting. Much of science, as I know it in different fields, remains highly materialistic. The vast, vast, vast majority of science just denies that the spiritual even exists the metaphysical, the mystical, it's all considered just imagination of the mind. And that's been an increasingly unfortunate situation because it has adverse effects for all of us on what people tend to believe is true based on what science says is true versus what science says is not true. And we in the West have been guided by science, even though it's it's misguided us in many, many ways, as you know. Well, yeah, because I, I did a similar thing, but with artists. And I looked at the modern artists and found that most of them had some kind of a spiritual connection, um, whether it's following spiritualism or um, theos- theosophy or some different type of occult um, teachings, that they, they were a lot, most of them had some kind of spiritual intent in their work. Yeah. So yeah, because uh, all these disciplines, art and science and everything else is comprised by human beings. And we're basically talking about our fundamental nature and it's going to be pushing through to emerge wherever it can and whenever it can. Of course, it's easier, I think, for artists to allow that to flow, whereas most scientists have that more locked down uh, within themselves due to the philosophy of most sciences. Yes, yes. In fact, um, I think a lot, I mean, a lot of the work of Carl Jung was influenced by spirit. And he first started studying mm. mediums, but when he used the, the language that the mediums used, he was put down by the academy. So we had to change it all into new different terms. So there is a real... I didn't know that. You didn't know that? Oh, there's a real um, relationship between his idea of the unconscious and spiritual understandings and archetypes and all of this has a real spiritual significance as well. But mm. No, most of the um, 
most of the people who were developed psychology in the 1800s were all studying mediums. Hmm. Yeah, and I knew some of them, such as William James, were very influenced by a lot of the uh, traditions coming out of India at the time. Yeah. Vedanta and, William, and otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, that was also the theosophy was more influenced by the um, Indian types of things where the, the spiritualism stayed more within Western culture. Hmm. I see. <laughs> Just a little tidbit there. But anyway, yeah, no, it's... Go on. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, there's a, a book out there, American Veda. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but the author, uh, Philip Goldberg, he tracks all these influences that came to the West, mainly the United States, but also Europe, these traditions out of India, and how they gradually transformed our understanding in psychology, even physics, philosophy, and beyond. It's a good read. Interesting. I'll have to look for it. Yeah. Um, no, it, it is. And I mean, we tend to be so materialistic, which is what has happened in the past, that the spiritual was wiped out of everything. Yes, it, it sure was. In my book, I have a chapter on this, the rise of materialism in Western sciences. And there's a professor uh, in the at the University of Amsterdam, Professor Hanegraaff, and he wrote a, a book on this, quite a large book. And the title of the book is Esotericism and the Academy. And this book, he did a deep dive following this trajectory of how all things spiritual and metaphysical were essentially expunged from initially philosophy and then, of course, the deep sciences until we were left with a science that is just basically what we typically call now materialistic or even scientism which is devoid of anything having to do with soul, our soul life. Even though the vast majority of people believe in the spiritual, have their own experiences about it, we have a science that leads our cultures, which says it's all hogwash. So it's, it's an odd state of affairs. Yes, it is. It is. But then what happened was that from the philosophy, it went into the culture. And in, in the art world, all of the cultural critics and all the historians and everybody um, went materialistically. They discounted totally the spiritual. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that's in part the reason for my book. I wanted to try to set the record straight that, you know what, there are a lot of scientists who are deeply spiritual. They're actively in their own lives exploring the spiritual, their own spiritual consciousness nature. And in some cases, it's transforming the science that they do. And uh, I'm trying to disseminate that message. Okay, great. We're going to have to take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you more about your book. So we're on Sounds break. Good. What if there were a super tiny device that could diagnose the brain and is smaller than a single human hair? What if you could see inside the brain to help an epilepsy patient during surgery or to help the fight against Parkinson's disease? 
Dr. Patricia Broderick is proud to announce the Broderick Probe, a biomedical and electronic breakthrough. Imagine a probe to help with the understanding and potential cure of brain-related diseases. To learn more, listen live to the Easy Sense Radio Show with host Dr. Broderick. Wednesdays, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Bold Brave Media Network and TuneIn Radio. And to help support the Broderick Foundation, please go to EasySense.com and learn how, with your help, we can fight these horrific brain disorders. That's EasySense.com to learn more and help support the Broderick Foundation. Author, radio show host, and coach, John M. Hawkins, reveals strategies to help gain perspective, build confidence, find clarity, achieve goals. John M. Hawkins' new book, Coached to Greatness, unlock your full potential with limitless growth. Published by iUniverse, Hawkins reveals strategies to help readers accomplish more. He believes the book can coach them to greatness. Hawkins says that the best athletes get to the top of their sport with the help of coaches, mentors, and others. He shares guidance that helps readers reflect on what motivates them. We discover and assess their core values, philosophies, and competencies, find settings that allow them to be the most productive, and track their progress towards accomplishing goals. Listen to John Hawkins' My Strategy, Saturdays, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. Welcome back to Spiritual Support with Dr. Sue on the Bold Brave Television Network. I'm here with Dr. Paul Mills. And we are talking about his book that talks about how scientists are spiritual. Does that sum it up? <laughs> you got it completely, yep. But uh, there are a lot of interesting stories in there. We spoke a little bit about that earlier, how some people uh, had spiritual experiences when they were young. For example, we talked a little bit about my wife, Tiffany Barsodi, who's a medical intuitive. But she also, as a young child, had all the clairs, clairvoyance, clairaudience, and so forth. And the, the insight she had from those experiences is what led her to become a scientist, as well as a, a medical intuitive. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting to see both, you know, have both that side and, and the spiritual side as well. Yeah, yeah that- doing these interviews conducting the interviews with the scientists, it was just fascinating to hear their, their stories. They're very diverse uh, as far as what age these spiritual awakenings had, as I mentioned, some as for when they were young, some were much later in their career. Uh, one of the people I interviewed, his name is Dr. William Bushell, and he's a medical anthropologist. And he spent his life traveling the world, studying religious and spiritual beliefs of different communities. And the, and the funny thing is he shared with me is that he never believed any of it. He just thought all these beliefs in God and the spiritual is just a way for people to cope across the planet. But he was interested in, in doing research on that. And so he did. But then one day he had a spontaneous Kundalini awakening. He had a perception of a goddess in front of him and his life was never the same for the better, as you might add. And then he realized, oh, all these things I've been studying over the years, it's actually true. And this is uh, how Tim immensely, not only personally, but with his work. Yeah, that's a wonderful story. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, we do. We see it. Now, I mean, there have been a lot of, of medical people and, and scientists who've had near-death experiences and who've been writing about those in the past few years. Yep, I've, I've seen more of that, too. Yeah, it's uh, it's there's a lot of forward movement in this regard, and I'm grateful to see it. Well, I would also say that for some people, the awakening comes when they've lost a child or someone very, very close to them. They all of a sudden start to feel yep. more mediumistic. Mm. Or they start looking for something yes. more. Yeah. So I don't know mm -hmm. if that happened to any of the scientists. If it did, they didn't share that with me. So that's good. There were scientists that I heard. Yeah, there were scientists I approached to interview for the book. And they said, Paul, you know, I, I have such experiences. I've had mystical, metaphysical experiences, but I do not want to speak about them for your book. And this gets back to what we spoke about earlier. And it's mainly because they were at academic institutions where it wouldn't be good for them and their scientific reputation to speak about these things because it would undermine their reputation uh, in their different disciplines. So they just have to keep that quiet to themselves, which in some ways is okay. But on the other hand, this then slows down the momentum to start breaking science open so that all scientists can begin to accept their own spiritual nature. And if they want to do work in this area, then, then open it up and let all the, uh, resources of science be used to delve into our our metaphysical nature could you imagine yeah oh that would be amazing that would be amazing because i know there are not a lot of people that do research on mediums i mean there's been a lot no and, and part of it oh go ahead no you go on okay okay well part of the reason for that that gets to the funding idea even the research on mediumship that I did at the Institute of Noetic Sciences, it was done on a shoestring. We did get some grant money to do it, but it's a very small amount. And that limits research on things like mediumship, even uh, hands-on energy healing, these kinds of things, distant healing. The scientific research in the area is, is very little because it's hard to get money to do the research and scientists have to follow the money because the, the grant money is what they live off of ultimately. So that in many ways determines what's being done and why there's limited research in these areas. Yes, I hear that now, but I also hear that there are some organizations that are giving more some funding out now for some of these topics. Um, I can't remember the- That is good news. Yeah, no, I just know there's some organizations that are starting to do it. And I know that there's been a lot of stuff in, in in, in PSI, PSI stuff um, that people have done over the years. Um, the mm -hmm. Cycle, uh, Association for Psychological Researchers um, out of England, they do a lot of this kind of research. Um, and uh, mm -hmm. there are a few people out there. Yeah. Well, the, there's a couple people in the States that are doing mediumship research. And uh, so that's good. That's good. I don't know where they get their funding from. I can understand that in academia, I know in the scientific areas, a lot of it has to do with getting grants and how you can um, 
your grant funding and your ability to get the funding for your projects is key. Is key. Yes. Uh, for me, for example, the majority of my research funding during my career has come from the National Institutes of Health, uh, an institute there called the Heart, Lung and Blood Institute. And it's very routine and easy to get grants for several million dollars, three, four, five million dollars to do research on cardiac disease. Mm -hmm. Now, could I go mm -hmm. out and get three, four, five million to do mediumship? No. Could I find maybe $25,000 to do it? Yes. And there's the big difference in why there's such a disproportionate amount of research in, in, not, in traditional versus non-traditional areas. But you said that's changing, and I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, well, I think that's private people are putting up funding <clears throat> to do research um, in this area and in the mediumship um, hmm. area as well. So that that's good. That's good. And, I mean, I think it's getting a little less of a stigma in academia. Not too much, but I think we're making a few inroads here and there um, to allow people to be able to look at topics that are a little bit more off the beaten track. So, no, but I have to yeah, admit. I, I agree. Yeah, I, I didn't do any of my academic writing on spiritual issues. It wasn't until I kind of semi-retired that I started to really delve into it and do more of it. And then I didn't have to worry. I understand it completely. Is that the reason? Yeah. So that was the reason you waited also, just because uh, you were more established and there'd be less potentially adverse consequences for you? Well, actually, it, it wasn't just that, but it was also the fact that about the same time I was retiring this, I started developing as a medium. So... Um, as I, more I started developing as a medium and learning about the history of spiritualism and physical mediumship and all of these topics, then my academic work started reflecting that more. So. Uh, I would suspect that was very satisfying. Oh, no, it was very good. In fact, I was listening to a, a lecture today on Marshall McLuhan and they were talking about his Catholicism and how people don't write about it, but I did. <laughs> You know, and I knew that he was very religious. And if you looked at some of the things he wrote from that perspective, you could understand what he was really trying to tell us. So. Mm. I see. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that work. Something I should look into then. Well, he's the, the guy who wrote The Medium is the Message. I'm sure you've heard of that. Mm. You know? It's in the area yep. of communication. I know what yeah, happens in the, in the disciplines. Sometimes you don't overlap very much from one discipline to another one. So I have no idea who the people are in your area of work. And you probably don't have any idea who most of the scholars are in mine. But that's just the way it is. But maybe now Typically, that we're bringing yeah. this spirituality in, we'll get more of an overlap. That sounds good. We need to uh, cross-fertilize all these ideas and people. So now, what are you doing with your organization? Do you have people come in and you work with them? Is that what it is? Yes. Uh, these days, uh, we do a lot of online courses. Uh, my wife, Tiffany, whom I mentioned, uh, she teaches courses on 
Uh, most recently through the Shift Network, she did a course on the topic of her master's thesis, which was on the Alta Major Chakra, which is a little known chakra at the back of the head, uh-huh. often in different traditions called the mouth of God. And that chakra sits in a very interesting spot at the brainstem uh, next to the reticular formation, which is also where a lot of the vagus nerve innervation is. And she came up with a theory that this is really where the the consciousness, spiritual consciousness enters us as human beings. And that's the mediating axis of physiology, spiritual and human physiology. And she just taught a course on that, uh, helping people to know about what the Alta Major Chakra is and just how to cultivate more awareness around it so they can have more access to their own inner guidance. Hold that thought, um, because we do have to take another break. When we come back, we'll continue on that, because I have a question or an observation. Sounds good. Did you know that your beliefs create your entire reality, but it's the subconscious beliefs that do most of the creating? Belief Shifter and Life Coach Shiraz can help you identify those limiting beliefs and eliminate them, often in a single session. Like, it was almost instant, like... I had relief right away. Creating better health, relationships, careers, and finances. Let Shiraz help you step out of safety and into awareness. Definitely something's happening. Uh, it's like a, a flow inside. Yeah, it feels good. Whether in person or online, Shiraz provides personal coaching, belief shifting. Visit Shiraz at energeticmagic.com or call 416-529-7429. Energetic Magic on the BBM Global Network, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Find your greater happiness. Be well. Be aware. Be magical. Are you struggling to care for elderly parents or a spouse? Do you wonder if being a caregiver is making you sick? Are you worried about taking time off work to care for elderly parents and balance work, life, and caregiving? Has caregiving become exhausting and emotionally draining? Are you an aging adult who wants to remain independent, but you're not sure how? I'm Pamela D. Wilson. Join me for the Caring Generation radio show for caregivers and aging adults, Wednesday evenings, 6 Pacific, 7 Mountain, 8 Central, and 9 Eastern, where I answer these questions and share tips for managing stress, family relationships, health, well-being, and more. Podcasts and transcripts of The Caring Generation are on my website, PamelaDWilson.com, plus my caregiving library, online caregiver support programs, and programs for corporations interested in supporting working caregivers. Help, hope, and support for caregivers is here on The Caring Generation and PamelaDWilson.com. Welcome back to Spiritual Support with Dr. Sue on the Bold Brave Television Network. And I'm here with Dr. Paul Mills, and we are talking about scientists and spirituality. And you were just telling me before the break about this very interesting discovery that your wife made about a new chakra. Maybe it's not new, but one that people are not aware of. That's right. It's it's really not included in most traditions. Most people know about the, the primary seven chakras mm-hmm. close to the physical body. Of course, there are some above the head, but this one's at the base of the neck. And as I mentioned, it's it's traditionally understood in, in cultures that it has to do with where we receive our information from the divine, things like inspiration. And, and that 
typically though, most traditions have not taught about it because it's important that the other chakras have been properly developed and stabilized before this particular chakra is open. If people aggressively go towards this one without having say more of a foundation of spiritual development, it can lead to problems. And that's why it's been more of a hidden knowledge. But now there's more information coming out about it, presumably because uh, humanity needs this information now. And uh, there's the possibility for it. Well, that's interesting because I know as a medium, some of the messages I get are from the back, from back here. Or I feel them coming in from now. You there it is. To me as to why. Yeah, that's very good. And I do chakras work, but I haven't heard of this one. And um, But I do know how important it is to align the chakras. And um, I have one of those aura cameras where you can see the different levels of the chakras. And I, I do look at people's, and if their chakras are off balance, I'll tell them to try to work on different ones so that they are in balance. Mm. But that's interesting because so much spiritual work, if you don't come at it with the right intent and you don't know what you're doing, things can really go awry. You know, yep. things can get I think that's why most, yeah, most meditative spiritual traditions around the globe historically have had very set schedules of development for people so that they had the needed foundation at one stage before they move to the next stage and the next stage. But unfortunately for a lot of us in the West, we just got it all at once. And we've been trying to find our way how to manage these different stages and practices. And sometimes there are adverse effects. You've heard of things such as Kundalini syndrome, for example, or people who have just dropped into some non-dual consciousness stage and they had no idea what was happening to them. They had no preparation, and that's a problem. Yes. Uh, fortunately, there are more therapists who are, who are around these days who can recognize these syndromes and help people. Well, that's like mediumship and mental disease. For Historically, was was um, confused, and a lot of mediums were put into institutions in the 1800s because they were diagnosed as being was hysterics or mentally um, disturbed. And there is a problem with some people who go into mediumship that are uh, have personality disorders and, and different things like that, that don't know that their dissociative state is a medical condition, not a, a spiritual one. Mm. I get that, huh? Well, are there more organizations out there to help people recognize that and uh, just get proper development and stabilization? Well, I can tell you the some of the mediums I know from Lilydale have actually gone in and done clinical courses for counseling. You know, counselors have to take so many clinical courses to keep things up to date. And one of the courses that some of them teach is about the difference between telling whether someone's in a trance state or telling them whether they're in a dissociative psychological state. Wow. That's so valuable. I'm glad to hear that. So, yeah. So it seems to me, and I guess you would agree that things seem to be opening up a lot more now. Yep. Very much so. Uh, and turns out actually my book, when it was published about the same time, 
another book was published on the spiritual lives of scientists based on, I think it was questionnaire data from scientists about their uh, spiritual experiences. So two books, same topic within a month or two of publication, which prior there had been no books on this. So I'd say, yes, that's a good sign. And uh, yes. you were mentioning too, there are more and more uh, studies on uh, characteristics of the brain from near-death experiences and transcendence and meditation. So good things are happening. Yes, and also historically, I know that I'm involved with the Edgar Casey Center and, and I have one of my groups, the Lumeria Group, and we're very involved with consciousness and how consciousness evolved. And there was a time mm. when consciousness was had been in tune with the spirit world and the real world at the same time, which has gone away. Hmm. Beautiful. So you were you spent time at the uh, ARE, I believe it's called. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm down in Virginia right now, near them. So that's uh, in the winter. I go to the ARE. In the summer, I go to Lilydale. Well, that's a nice rotation you've got going on. It's a good lifestyle. Now, you must go back and forth between North Carolina and California. I do. Uh, less and less so, because I'm going to retire from from the university completely uh, in the middle of this year. Okay. And that will be that. And then you're coming to North Carolina? I will stay in North Carolina. Unless I come up and visit your medium town and see what's going on. Well, you'll have to do that. We're doing a huge conference on physical yeah. mediumship next uh, this summer. So, yeah. But you're always welcome. Let me know when you want to come up. Um, but it is. No, it's very important that um, we start to get the word out there. That that there isn't this strict, strict wall between science and spirituality. And that's what I believe your book is trying to do. Yeah, it's showing that that divide has been extremely unfortunate, of course, artificial in many ways. I also talk about just the historical origins of that, which is typically well known about the church uh, back about four centuries ago when Western science, as we know, it was getting started. And uh, yeah, it's, it's getting remedied now. Uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. I mean, one of the messages I would ask to convey to your listeners is that uh, start relying more on their own self and intuition and inner knowledge rather than what science typically tells them about the nature of things such as the spiritual world and the metaphysical. Go Go within to find that their own truth about these things and don't rely on science for something it's really not qualified historically anyway to tell you anything about. Well, that's so important. And I think you would agree, especially with your organization, that, that we do, we have our attitudes and our conceptions about our own health are so important. Is that something yes, thank you, you for guys that. look at? Yeah. Oh, completely. I, for many years, my standard research was in a field called psychosomatic medicine, behavioral medicine, psychosocial, psychosocial oncology, psychoneuroimmunology, all these fields do pretty deep dives in the relationship of the mind and 
how we think and how we feel, depression, anxiety, optimism, different states of the mind and how that influences our nervous system and how it influences ultimately our immune system, endocrine system. It's huge. Our state of belief about something and a sense of optimism, for example, is very significant on our, obviously our well-being, but ultimately too, in many cases, our physical health. So getting that part of our own psyche in a better order for ourselves is, is the way to have a higher quality of life. Absolutely. And that's so important. And that's one reason why I do this show is because I try to give people <laughs> tips and ideas yes. on how they can uplift their minds because we all know that thoughts are things and what you think is so important, especially in health. Yeah. Thank, thank you for that. So we do that, and, and um, uh, do you do? Does your wife do spiritual healing as well? Um, I mean, what what would you mean by spiritual healing exactly? Then I can answer that. I, I, what does that mean specifically? Um, by spiritual healing, I mean that you direct, as a person, you direct the higher forces of the higher consciousness through you to a person who needs needs help needs healing in some area then yes she does that yeah because yeah. it, it is yeah. um that's so important it's so important in, in spiritualism to do that and um of course there's been a lot of controversy mm -hmm. over uh, people and touching and all of this stuff which has been uh, you know to the point where we just do shoulders up you know, we just put our hands. Well, you can just put your hands on 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 somebody's shoulders and channel the energy to them. Or, as you said before, you can do it distance-wise as well. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to ask you a question. Go ahead. Oh, please go ahead. Then, uh, then I have a question afterwards. What about no, I, uh, my wife? I was just going to say that your wife has discovered that the spiritual healing can work through Zoom, too. <laughs> Oh, very much. It's fascinating. Yeah, you can just you can read people psychically through Zoom. I mean, well, it's just consciousness after all, so it's uh, it's not hard. But you mentioned the term. I think you said physical mediumship a bit ago. That you're doing some course on that soon. What are there different kinds of mediumship? And physical is one example. How does how does that all okay. sort out? There's. Um two basic types of mediumship. One of them is mental mediumship, which is what your wife does with the medical intuitive. Uh, trance mediumship is also considered mental mediumship. Um, and then the other kind of uh, mediumship is called physical mediumship, where you actually get objects in the room to move around and do things. Um, a lot of the physical mediums end up creating kind of a vortex, um, usually around the mouth, and they can apport or bring forth different objects. There's all kinds of things to it. It's objects, it's the trumpet flying around the room, it's the, the divorce, the voice of the deceased coming through. So. It was big in the 1800s. Uh, that's, that's, yep. Well, the voice coming through, I'm more familiar with that, not so much the... Um, Objects. I've never seen such a thing done. 
Oh yeah, they um, can material. Oh, the probably the most sophisticated part of physical mediumship is when the medium actually materializes a person in the room. Like you can see them, they're usually kind of dressed in a gauzy white type of thing because they don't do it real clearly, but um, mm. they do materialize a person. You can recognize the face. So. Mm. Wow, what is is that uh, like the astral body? What what's what's being uh, made visible? How does it work? I'll explain that after the break because we have to take a break, another break. What if there were a super tiny device that could diagnose the brain and is smaller than a single human hair? What if you could see inside the brain to help an epilepsy patient during surgery or to help the fight against Parkinson's disease? Dr. Patricia Broderick is proud to announce the Broderick Probe, a biomedical and electronic breakthrough. Imagine a probe to help with the understanding and potential cure of brain-related diseases. To learn more, listen live to the Easy Sense Radio Show with host Dr. Broderick, Wednesdays, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Bold Brave Media Network and TuneIn Radio. And to help support the Broderick Foundation, please go to Easy sense.com and learn how with your help we can fight these horrific brain disorders that's easysense.com to learn more and help support the broderick foundation author radio show host and coach john m hawkins reveals strategies to help gain perspective build confidence find clarity achieve goals john m hawkins new book Coached to Greatness, unlock your full potential with limitless growth. Published by iUniverse, Hawkins reveals strategies to help readers accomplish more. He believes the book can coach them to greatness. Hawkins says that the best athletes get to the top of their sport with the help of coaches, mentors, and others. He shares guidance that helps readers reflect on what motivates them rediscover and assess their core values philosophies and competencies find settings that allow them to be the most productive and track their progress towards accomplishing goals listen to john hawkins my strategy saturdays 1 p.m eastern on the bbm global network and tune in radio welcome back to spiritual support with dr sue on the bold brave television network and youtube live Okay, I'm here with Paul Mills, and we're talking about physical mediumship and materializations and ghosts. Um, we're talking about ghosts during the break. Um, no, people <laughs> we that we see, we, people that we see in a materialization usually aren't a ghost. Um, ghosts can be a variety of different things. Um, that's a different show, <laughs> but and we've done that shows on it. But what we were talking about with materialization is that a medium, a physical medium, what makes them a physical medium is that through their body chemistry and the spirit world, they're able to create the substance called ectoplasma. And they can create the ectoplasma. It comes out of their body, all of the different whole orifices in your body, your nose, your mouth, your ears. Um, and the substance comes out and then it can build up into a figure or a person. Um, with the work of Gary Mannion, he does the uh, arms. He'll, 
he's sitting in a cabinet, he's all tied up, and you see these arms come out of the cabinet, and you can go and shake the hand that comes out, and it, it feels all slimy. It feels all wet and slimy because it's, it's made out of ectoplasm, you know. And you can sense the, the presence of a loved one. So that's what, what a lot of them do. That is amazing. I have never heard of that. Thank you. I, I've never heard of that. Uh, well, I'd like to see it e someday. Email me and I'll send you some information on it. So, yeah, it's, it's very good. But I think the important okay. thing, because this is our final section of the show, is to go over what we're talking about. And I think that it's so important to know that even scientists today are acknowledging their spirituality. Indeed. Yeah. Science, uh, in some ways, is going through a transformation. You know, historically, science could tell us the, uh, the how of things, how things work and so forth in many different domains, but really never the why of things. And from my point of view, the, the why of how all this is in place really can only come from the metaphysical and the mystical. And as more scientists and citizen scientists and just all of us in our different societies are opening up spiritually, we'll be able to help transform science into the type of discipline, a way of knowing that is that can fulfill its promise, really. And that promise is to tell us about the nature of the world, which it's been doing, but only, you know, a small part, just what we call this physical dimension for the most part. Now let's get science turned on and, and set free to start telling us about all these things. Could you imagine having some interesting scientific research around that ectoplasm and how does it work and how does the human body generate it and can we can we progress that in some way and get more benefit and just interest from it on and on so much we could do well they have taken uh, the ectoplasm has also made paintings the bank sisters and campbell's brothers made paintings through with ectoplasm and they did scrape a little bit of it off and they did scientifically examine it and they found that it was a mixture of like dust and I guess paint pigment and things in the room plus organic things from the body. So it was a mixture of um, kind of inorganic and organic stuff, which is interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I'd like to learn about that. I'll have to get online so, and do a deep dive. <laughs> well, to find out who's researching it. My friends know all the people researching it too. So, um, yeah. It's um, a new. It's a topic that's just coming back into fashion. Um, it's new in Lilydale. What happened in Lilydale was they start of Lilydale. There were a lot of physical mediums there. There were a lot of people that did slate writing. They did trance. They did uh, materializations. They did all of these things, but that sort of waned and went away. And now they just do physical mediumship. So I'm bringing a little bit of the physical back. It's table tipping, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun stuff too, mm. you know, but uh, anyway, it's the scientists that we want to definitely get in our camp to realize the spiritual significance of life, which is what, or what your book is. Yeah. So do you have, do I have one? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. 
So you have uh, scientists. I know there's a lot of scientists at ARE, but you also have some of them showing up at Lilydale uh, to do to do investigative work. Not too many scientists. The scientists that I know that are doing the investigative work are mostly in Europe. Mostly in Europe. All right. No, well, we've got Julie Bajal yeah. here in the states, and um, you have some other people as well that are working with. Um, the afterlife research group, afterlife research and education group, they try to mix the science with the um, spiritual. So, and then you've got people um, like the doctor in Buffalo, mm. who is doing near death studies, and all of his studies found that um, people's visions, he does the near death visions, that their visions. Uh, close to dying are of seeing loved ones and talking to loved ones that are, of course, past. And so a lot of it conforms his observations. He won't say it's spiritual. His observations and his research fits with spiritualism and the spiritualist ideas. But he doesn't make that jump. Which is okay. Which he is doesn't. Okay. Well, well, he agrees that a lot of it um, does relate, I mean, that there's parallels there between it, but he's not going to say it's spiritual. I don't think he's going to go that far. Okay, yeah. Well, he's got to protect his, uh, his domain there at the university. Right, and he's got to protect his research grants. Um, we are just about <laughs> running out of time here, so... Paul, thank you so, so much. And I guess, where do, where do people go if they want to find out about your Heal and Thrive programs? Well, yeah, Heal and Thrive, they can go to the website, healandthrive.com. And if they're interested in my new book, they could go to Amazon and just look up Science Being and Becoming in my name and it'll pop right up. Great. And thank you, Dr. Sue. Thank you so much. This has been a very informative and enlightening conversation. So I will say good night to everything and thank you again, Paul. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.